welcome to The Thought Podcast. Today, a podcast host, a pastor, and a science magician walk into a bar, and the science magician says, I wonder. Thanks, Matt. As usual, it's not actually a bar, it's my kitchen, but it contains beer and good company, so it's close enough. Welcome to The Thought Bar. I'm afraid you'll have to buy your own drinks. Welcome once again to The Thought Bar. We all have beer this time, which makes me very excited. <laughs> uh, welcome, Andy, to your third podcast. Hello. It's a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you for a third time. Unbroken Patrick. streak. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm matching you stride for stride at the moment. Uh, we won't what talk about any about administration letters that I've made recently, though. No. <laughs> and welcome, Dr. Matt Pritchard. Ooh. Hello. Come on, I'm doing We're not clap. totally sure what beer we're drinking, are we? It's a bit of a mystery <laughs> bottle. It is mystery beer, yeah. We weren't sure whether we had uh, an IPA or a, a Czech Pilsner, but it's an enjoyable beer. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I should know now I've tasted it. You guys are such beer heads. Like, you can't just say whether it's this or that. It's a Czech Pilsner. I, or feel, a... I feel such a letdown not knowing. Let me try it. I chatted to someone who was really into music once, and they mentioned that it was a Latvian punk band. Amazing. And I was like, wow, you're really into it. And it's like, yeah, with you guys and beer, you know. Yeah. What was it then? You've had a sip. I've had a sip. The I... listeners are, are they're on the edge of their seat. I, I think it's the Pilsner. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> well, I'm enjoying it. It's wet and refreshing. Yeah. We can put so it in the show it. notes, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we good. work it out. Very good. Anyway, <laughs> let's explain. So... Andy and I have introduced ourselves before. If you haven't caught up with that, go listen to the previous podcasts. But... it's <laughs> so harsh, isn't it? So, Welcome, but... Uh, do we've done home- this. Do your homework. Do your, do your homework. No. Uh, I'm Louise. I'm the host. Why are you that called was, the host? Why have you not got a more professional title? Because you've got a, a tra- laptop. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a laptop. A, a translator, a pastor and a scientist walks into a, walk into a bar sounds just less yeah. relevant, if I'm more honest. More questions, really, than answers exactly. in that sentence. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we have a translator who is a podcast host. We're going to roll with podcast host. We'll take that, yeah. And and I'm the resident pastor. (laughs) There you Uh, go. Talking the spiritual blockages people might have received or might have heard over the years. Plus, I do attempt at times to be humorous uh, with varying results. But a resident here on this podcast, check out my link tree to see that I'm a resident on this podcast until they get rid of me. Maybe one day. (laughs) Uh, And Matt, you are our scientist for the day. Indeed, yeah. It's exciting. So you describe yourself as a lapsed atomic physicist. That is brilliant. Lapsed. Lapsed. (laughs) (laughs) Mainly means I've just forgotten all about it. (laughs) Will you be able to contribute to the show at all? I don't know. Let's see. Magnets. Yeah, this was the only show that we did that was under 15 minutes. Because we (laughs) ran out of atomic physics. Also, science magician and curator of wonder. Oh, wow. Tell us who and what is behind these labels. Yeah, so there's really two sides to my professional uh, uh, life. And one is I've got an interest in science and science research and work a lot communicating science, uh, mainly with schools. And the magic side is just a hobby that has just turned into uh, a profession as well. So I, I link them both, really, and often in the same, same sort of presentations in schools. Fantastic. I do enjoy the amount of children's toys in your magic as well. Yeah. It's it's all about play. And it's an excuse (laughs) to uh, uh, make Lego tax deductible as well. Fantastic. I'd never Uh, even thought of that. That's good. I'm trying to work that into a pastoral situation now as well. Definitely Lego reflection must be a thing out there. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. You're already That's... an inspiration, Matt. Thanks so much. Do- <laughs> is it Dr. Matt? Do we call you Dr. Matt still? Matt's fine. So... Matt, is that the lapsed thing again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> La- lapsed on the doctor. And it also avoids me. I'm rubbish with blood, so if anyone hears I'm a doctor, yeah. it's like, yeah, come on, we need to... Well, I did have a rash, Medical assistant. Yeah, yeah. I've got like, no, don't ask me. <laughs> don't ask you, no. No, I'll save the rash for someone else. That's, yeah. It's time for a game. Today we're playing Is It Science? All right, let's play a little game. Okay. This was this is called Is It Science? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an object. Right. And Matt, I would like you to argue how this object is science. Oh, great. Brilliant. Stitched up again. <laughs> Andy, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your creative takes on these. Right. I want to hear how these objects are not science. Right, okay. You're going to get 40 seconds to speak uh, on each one. And I have... <laughs> I'm very proud of this whistle. I whittled it myself at the weekend uh, and I needed a use for it. So I'm using my... I can't see it. Your laptop screen's... Using my home whittled whistle. It, for the viewer, uh, for the viewer, I mean, this is a bit like doing jigsaw puzzle, isn't viewer. it? Yeah. <laughs> for the viewer uh, listening online, it's a, it's, it's a fat twig. It is a fat twig. That she's about to blow into. <laughs> and uh, this is amazing. Can we test it? Yeah, basically, if you if you were in the Harry Potter world and you'd gone to Ollivander's and been assigned out <laughs> a wand, you'd be brutally disappointed, I think. Oh, yeah. You'd, you'd be running away from, as it tries to track you down. You'd be leaving the shop. <laughs> no, not that one. It, it's, a, it's, it's the evil whistle. It's made of hazel. So. But for a whistle, though. Wow. Yeah. Does it even work, though? Should we try it? There okay. Go. That is... I'd say that's an accomplished sound. I, I'm very proud of this whistle. In a previous life, were you a whistle maker? In a previous life? Mm. No. 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 Oh, okay. Well, it's definitely a natural gift. Natural gift. Or I was given very careful instructions. Um, Super impressed. Okay, so so when that blows... When that blows, you have to stop talking. Okay, all right. And basically, (laughs) Matt has to argue that something is science. Yes. And I I have to argue that it's not science. Correct. All right, I'm in. Are you ready, Matt? Yeah. Okay. Basically, you tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. 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 That's that's how we're doing it. No one asked me if I'm ready because I'm going a million miles an hour trying to think of any angle that will work here. Okay. I'll (laughs) throw the first one at Matt first. Please. uh, And see where we go from there. So your first object is a desk chair and your time starts now. I I love, I, I presume we can say the desk chair spins. Absolutely. I, I, I love, I remember going to science museums where they have the demonstration where they have that chair that you sit on and you have like dumbbells in your hand and you spin around with the dumbbells really close to you and then you, you stick them out to the side and, and move them in and suddenly you feel really queasy because you've spun around. Mm. So it's a, I think it's a great demonstration of uh, centrifugal centripetal oh, forces. Uh, <laughs> and, and we can think about a great way to train astronauts who don't want to uh, leave their lounge as well. Would you have a desk chair in your lounge? Probably not, no. You would nowadays. <laughs> desk chair in Home the office. office. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, what? How long did he go on for there? 40 seconds. And how long do we have? 40, 40 seconds. seconds. Oh, wow. Oh, man, this is good, isn't it? <laughs> okay, okay, then. Andy. <laughs> Here we the go. The gauntlet has been laid out. Your oh, time yeah. starts now. I would, I would pose that how is it even science? The chair. Because the chair really serves the need to sit. And the need to sit is a humanitarian basic right. And we haven't used science and we haven't developed the idea of sitting. We used to sit on the rock. And so I'd put to you that the office chair is simply a glorified 
rock. And any scientific attachments are just unnecessary and burdensome. Just adding to a rock what it was already doing. The rock is the rock of the chair. Boom. <laughs> do, you, do you want to say anything for the next three seconds? Please don't make me say anything else. Is that, whistle, is that a whistle I hear? Oh, yes, yes it is. It is. <laughs> All right, well, on the basis that I find rocks to be science... Oh, I'm giving that point sometimes. Everything <laughs> science! You've stitched me up! Geology, Joe! Oh. Okay, all right. Okay. This, this is, it's just going to be the same again. It's going to be 2-1. I get a consolation one after Matt's won. Well, we'll find out what you do with them. We've got uh, item number two right. available to you. We'll start with Andy to make things fair. Oh, great. Cool. Your item is a cruise ship. And your time <laughs> starts now. A cruise ship. The question everyone's been asking for a long time, books and over the centuries, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to some of Aristotle's work and maybe even Plato's musings, is a cruise ship science? And all of them came up with the same answer. And I'm hoping that if I waffle on long enough, I will actually run out of time and I wouldn't be able to give you the answer that they came up with when they were wrestling with this big question. Is a cruise ship science? My answer is, no, of course it's not science. But their answer was, of course. <laughs> that was a beautifully timed pause, yeah. nearly. It's a shame I didn't get round. I ran out of time, otherwise I'd have used their thoughts to back up my opinion. Absolutely. But I ran out of time. Yeah, oh. no, no way you could do that at all. <laughs> all right, Matt, why is a cruise ship science? So Your time starts now. So I'm going to bring another sort of older gentleman into the mix, and that's Isambard Kingdom Brunel, and he's one of my engineering heroes. Come on. And one of the things he did was he did the impossible. He, uh, he made ships that people said couldn't work because they were, first of all, made of iron and they had steam engines and... Traditionally, ships are wood and they had sails. And he sailed across the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean in this uh, uh, cruise ship, demonstrating that engineering and science can do the impossible. Oh, well. I mean, I'm Good. clapping that. Just didn't even need your full 40 seconds. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, not to bury my argument, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was very handy to bring in some, uh, some historic thinkers there, but... Turns out Matt can play that game too. Yeah, uh, and and back it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt, we're back to you for item number three. There we go. Item number three is toilet paper. And your time starts now. Well, that's a tricky one. I think rock, rock, rock. <laughs> <laughs> toilet paper. Oh, I, I, I was running out of time. I'm like, running, I'm going. Yes, he's not even going to say a point. <laughs> I'm not going to say a point. What can I argue? It's science. Uh, I think what I love about I love about, no, I don't love about toilet. But what's fascinating about toilet paper is it's sturdy when you want it to be sturdy, but when it gets wet, it disintegrates and doesn't clog things up. So there's some interesting science there in how it's uh, how it's been designed to uh, work when it needs to work and not cause problems later. Very nice. <laughs> I stand a, there's a sniff. I stand a chance. You do. Yeah. We should <laughs> no, just give you a point now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Andy, are you ready? Yeah, oh, who knows? Let's go. <laughs> Why is toilet paper not science? The time starts now. 
Well, saying that toilet paper is science is similar to saying a cake is mainly egg. Yeah, it's part of it. It's been made and developed over time. But toilet paper primarily is joy. The joy of not... The other option, of course, is not having toilet paper. So all of a sudden you think, I do have toilet paper. I am so grateful. This brings me great joy. And the other great joy of toilet paper is seeing a professional work colleague, normally one who's quite straight-laced, with toilet paper stuck to their shoe going around the office. That brings everybody great joy. So whilst there's science involved, it primarily it's joy. Toilet paper is joy. How beautifully timed. Oh, I could, we could, get in there. Okay, Come on, I mean, that is got to be. I stand a chance. It's 2 I'll give nil. you that point. I'll give you that point. Yes! 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, two, one. Two, one now. Yes, brilliant. I mean, it's still an overall defeat. Congratulations, Matt. Yes, Thank congratulations you. to Matt. <laughs> it turns out that the majority of things are science. Yeah, well, I could see that coming. I don't know if you framed <laughs> it such a way. There you are, eh? <laughs> there we go. So, as it turns out, most things are indeed science, and we've had some fun with that. Now, Matt, are you science, in fact... What is your story? Um, Why did you switch from atomic physics to magic? Well, I would say it wasn't a switch. They were both in parallel, really. So throughout my, like, traditional education, I followed the the path of studying physics and got to the point of doing a PhD in atomic physics, working with lasers, making things really cold with lasers, which seems counterintuitive, but it does work. And I, I did wow. enjoy the uh, the crafting of the building experiments, but some of the... Like other... making things cold with lasers is already qualifying as magic for me. Oh, it's, there's so, so many moments of joy where you just see something happen you just go what was an idea in someone's head a bit of a theory suddenly comes into reality uh, on the lab bench and i enjoyed that i i didn't necessarily like the the pressure of having to deliver results and uh, living sure. in that academic world mm. so I, I was doing that but on the side i was doing magic i started off doing uh, weddings and sort of mix and mingle parties and then got into a bit of improvised comedy and I just really wanted to break from academia. And so I did a, did a course, actually, what brought me down to Birmingham, where we're, where we're recording here, uh, to do a performing arts course for nine months at a local church. Uh, and what I learned in nine months is I can't sing, dance or act, which is uh, <laughs> okay. really, right, really bad. Right. Yeah, <laughs> It's like uh, the three cores of performing arts are those. Did they keep scratching their head every time you got up? They're like, what is he going to do? I think I was possibly their most overqualified candidate because it's yeah, mainly like a gap year course for 18-year-olds. <laughs> but what, what I really loved about the course was the, the communicating side of things. So mm, I, sure. I wouldn't have said I was a performer, more of a presenter. Yeah. And we did a lot of school workshops and most of my teammates loved the 55 minutes of the show where they were acting and being characters. I hated that because mm. it just didn't feel like me. The last five minutes where the show had finished and you walked out and did a quick talk in the assembly, yeah. linking mm. some of the issues we talked about to uh, the children's lives, I lived for those moments mm. uh, when it was my turn to do that. And so when I, when I left the course I went on to work for Think Tank which is a science museum sort of in the heart of Birmingham as a science communicator did that for a few years and then started putting sort of magic into that because Mm. magic's a great sort of way of engaging people and and teaching and then for the last 12 13 years I've been doing that as an independent science communicator magician that I've not heard that title before science communicator that is really cool 
Yeah, like a few years back, it would would have been just what we'd have called ourselves. But now yeah. you can actually do degrees in science communication, which is like a mix of uh, learning how to do radio interviews, how to write, yeah. communicate your science, how to present it. Ah, oh, very cool. Amazing. I've got to ask. I've got to Perfect. ask. Are you in the circle? Yeah, so if you mean the magic circle, <laughs> yes, yes, yes I am. So <laughs> You are? Yeah, so it's, a, it's a, an international club, but yeah. its headquarters are down in London. So there's a, mm. a theatre and a library and a museum there. And once a week they have lectures and events on. Do you get like 20% off at Tesco or something? Or is there extra benefits? The, the benefits are really to put on your business card and, okay. and also just access to that wealth of knowledge. Oh, uh, right. Like okay. yeah. When you've got a, a library full of some of the sort of best books and you can just go down and study, uh, it's, yeah. it's good for that. Oh, well, congratulations. Have you ever had to pull that out, you know, in a restaurant or anything like that when they've double-booked your table and you have to say, listen, actually, I'm part no, of if only, No, if only that would work. <laughs> it's not got that power. Yeah. It's not got no. that power. No, okay. <laughs> it does add some mystery. That's quite, quite nice bit to, to introduce that, I imagine. Yeah, I think one of the reasons for joining for me was there was quite a few people doing science shows who did a bit of magic in there. But because I'm coming at it as a professional magician as well i wanted something to just say hey look like a bit of a stamp of uh not authority but stamp of actually competence yeah yeah mm. so you talked about kind of moving away from the pressure that you found in academia um what was that transition like for you in terms of kind of the mental health and um yeah finding some freedom in doing something new yeah because i think we're, we talk a lot more about mental health now than yeah. we did even five years ago. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and when I was doing PhD, you, to a certain extent, you're an individual within a research group. Mm. And there's that sort of, that end goal that three years down the line, you need to write that big thesis and you need to come up with something no one else has come up with. And that plays on your mind an awful lot, knowing mm. that it's not just... Uh, your supervisor who has this expectation, but it's also your like qualification and what you're paying for is uh, is riding on that. And so that that can be a real pressure that I, I know countless people really, really struggle with. And especially it's like when you're on the, uh, the cold face of doing science research, things don't work and things yeah. break and you have setbacks. And we had times where our lab needed rewiring and repainting and replumbing. And you literally lose six months of wow. a three-year project wow. because of things like that. And yeah, it, it was just at the time, it was just a relief to sort of hand that thesis in and say, look, it's done. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. And then move, to move on to something different and explore a different, different side of me but Amazing. but i think the other thing with phd is and i was chatting to a friend recently when you finish it because your brain is so full it's like almost like working an overdrive yeah, yeah, the yeah. day after it feels like this is vacuum in your head of yeah. uh, you don't need all this stuff what do i do and i i was like what do i do i'm, I'm just, and i just went into a library and bought a book on learning ancient greek because i didn't know it and i thought well i'm just going to yeah. teach myself how to do greek and it's like that lasted about two weeks and and then i, I soon gave up because i realized i'm rubbish at languages oh, talking no. to a translator here but is that but yeah i just needed to fill it with with some new knowledge and to be doing something well in a crazy turn of events i might be in the minor minority of a group that wouldn't look at ancient Greek 
as a relaxing distraction because Lou might, and then you did, and I'd be perhaps the only one. It's very rare that that's a minority. This I is... don't know. Depends who you hang around with, that oh, does. That's true. <laughs> that's just the old thing. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And so I'm in the right room right now. Ancient <laughs> Greek for a hobby. Come on, guys. Well, it's more that. It's just, I think, when you can actually pick up like the bible in its almost original language yeah, yeah, yeah. that becomes fascinating and you, you, what you realize is how many choices are made in how it's translated mm, for sure and and also there's lots of intentions and and also ambiguity in the language as well and mm. and so i i learned enough to just have a minor appreciation for it yeah kind of how I feel as a translator of other languages like, I understand the translation process I don't understand that language <laughs> yeah hey so you just um I'm just thinking about that growing up so you've mentioned about the bible do you have a faith did you grow up in a house with faith and how did they respond to your scientific endeavors yeah so I grew up in a, a family with a christian faith yeah and um my dad was actually a scientist. He, he had oh, a brilliant wow. role, actually. He was head of gas explosions for, <laughs> for the government. Not that he was, don't, don't get me wrong, he wasn't responsible. If your house blew up, it wasn't him. So don't, don't, don't drop us an email. It, it was his job to investigate what had gone wrong. And yeah. uh, maybe if a company had been at fault in what they'd done in installing stuff. Uh-huh. And then the main part of his role was then, how can you prevent this from happening again? Yeah. Not so much on the legislation side, of, but more on technology. Can we do stuff to stop fires going down gas pipes and things like that? Yeah. Wow. And his lab was a big field that they just blew stuff up. And so uh, then they'd look at the pieces and, and, and figure it out. So yeah. I, I, was, I was fortunate being in a family that science was seen as a viable career. Great. And that was a, a part inspiration. And also because of being brought up in that sort of mm. Christian environment, you're exposed to church and, and, and all the rest. But I think like so many people, you, you have questions, don't you? And sure. you go through phases where you doubt everything and mm. other times where it all seems to look and make sense and then, then it doesn't. And yeah. yeah. So it's always been a part of, part of my life. Wow. Yeah. So we've mentioned your parents and that kind of side of it. What was the family reaction when you uh, switched to doing <laughs> magic after being um, involved at quite a well-respected my... university? Yeah. It was a, yeah. that typical proud parent. Oh, this is my son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a doctor, do you know? Yeah. Now what does mum say at the dinner party? <laughs> a doctor of magic. <laughs> I think hugely supportive. I think Amazing. with I've got brother and sister and they've always been, whatever you want to do, we're behind you. And uh, thankfully, we've all made, I think, sensible choices. Um, <laughs> and so, that yeah, they've, they've been great. I told them about it. I think it also came at a point, my dad had recently had prostate cancer at the wow. time, and he was totally reassessing life as mm. well of actually, okay, have I dedicated a life to a career or is there more stuff? And I think because of that, there was a real openness to just follow what you love doing and, uh, and do that. Oh. Amazing, having that kind of moment as well when you can do that together as well. I mean, obviously, horrible circumstances, but to have that connection over it is quite cool. (laughs) What about kind of other parts of the Christian world? Have you had any uh, pushback on trying to do magic from uh, Christian circles? Not Christian magic circles, obviously. Like dark, like it's from a different, like from a bad place or something? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like... I'm calling on any demons. Don't watch Harry Potter stuff. (laughs) 
Yeah, because you do get you do get people. I remember mm. once that someone was doing it, had a small group actually at our house where a group of Christians got together and we just discussed life really. Yeah. And and someone was saying, "Oh, I won't let our kids watch Harry Potter." Right. And I was sat on the bookcase, uh, like in front of the bookcase, and it's got all the books behind me and uh, and the DVDs. <laughs> and you go, "Right, I'm not going to move now." It's like you know, with your elbows but, out. So there is there's people who think, "Oh, it's it's." It's not right, but I'm not of that opinion at all. I think magic for me is very much just like juggling, but I don't tell you how it's doing. How yeah. it's doing it's like imagine a juggler behind a curtain. You see the balls doing these strange paths. Uh, you know there's something going on behind the scenes. Mm. You just can't see it, and that's that's what magic is for me. Uh, I think I think you do need to be careful. I think the the words you use can cause people to. Uh, uh, question it so right. I, I'm very careful when I'm working with uh, people of faith to talk about it's an illusion it's a trick oh, right. yeah, uh, yeah. when you talk, start talking about conjuring and sorcery it, it brings up other <laughs> yeah. pictures doesn't it, yeah, it does, yeah. and and also maybe don't go to like a church and claim you can read people's minds because that's going to get you into bother and so there's oh, there's yeah. an element of being just sensible with it and, mm. and there's a sort of a verse in the Bible about not trying to cause your brother or sister to stumble. Very and good, I think yeah. you just need to be wise in how you, you approach things. And so for me personally, rarely had any problems. Uh, mm. When it has been a slight issue, it's, it's more been a case of I've done something that someone can't understand. Mm. And because they can't understand it, they just get annoyed by it. Right. And that's not a faith thing. That is just a, I can't handle uncertainty. That sure. was the scientists, was it? Uh, that that was just actually uh, it was just at university. Someone, yeah. uh, a student support worker, who just struggled with that. But you, you say about scientists, I think scientists on a lot scientists really don't like magic because, especially science communicators, <laughs> they they love to know how things work because they're curious. Gotcha. And so they they need an explanation for it. And you just won't tell them. I won't. They're but... not in the circle. You've got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So mm. w we've talked about how you got into your work, some of what you love about it, but maybe we can go into that a bit more. What do you most love about your job and where do you find meaning in it? So I love it because on the whole, I get to play. I, I let, they talk about magic almost bringing out that childhood sense of wonder. Mm. And I get to do that. I get to play. I get to share that with other people. Uh, I get to discover new things. It, I might not be discovering the fundamental uh, characteristics of atoms and all this stuff that I was doing at university, but I'm I'm learning new things and mm. uh, making stuff with my hands. So that's that's a big part of joy for me. Uh, I think where I get the the satisfaction from, particularly when you get to present it uh, to an audience, is that moment when you see on people's faces, it's almost the, the cliche teaching advert, isn't it? The, the penny drop moment where you see the kid's eyes widen and their mouth drop. There's, that's a lovely moment. But I think the bits I relish the most is when you get a, a, an email a few days later from a teacher says, oh, uh, we've got all these photos of kids at home trying these experiments and yeah. trying these tricks and they've discovered it for themselves. So it's, I'm very much, although I don't explain how I do the magic like explain the, the the science tricks that I do mm. because I really want to make it something that other people can 
experience that joy of discovery themselves. Yes. Amazing. I was going to say, if you're uh, looking for that penny drop moment, a uh, podcast might be a bit frustrating because you can't... We're not going to see anybody listening to <laughs> no. this. Uh, I could be the most amazing magician. Like, like, I'm just going to make, oh, there's the elephant. It's like you didn't see that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just for the listeners, an elephant did just appear. Yeah. Incredible, incredible stuff. Louise, are you floating yeah. off the ground there? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. How are you doing that? It's a secret, I can't it's, tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you what that is. That's a non-scientifically advanced rock that we discussed right at the beginning of the show. Oh, absolutely. Otherwise known as a chair. Indeed. <laughs> Although if uh, if you do find any ways to make elephants appear or uh, float off the floor, do do send us in those videos for that to appreciate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really good. What do you spend your time on in part as part of your working day? Uh, what does a day it, in the life look like? I think it's twofold. If I'm working with a school group or a, a science festival, it will usually be an early start, sort of travelling, mm. travelling to an event, uh, spend a day there doing a few shows, travelling home, and then just sort of crashing out. So that's... That's a typical day A. Typical day B, I'll take my kids to school. I'll then go down to the office, do some emails, maybe work on developing a new illusion or work on a new presentation. Yeah. Pick the kids up and that's a, a shorter day. Nice. You've made magic sound incredibly normal. <laughs> How did we get well, here? <laughs> well, it is. And I think sometimes, sometimes one of the reasons magicians keep secrets is because actually when you discover what's going on behind mm. the scenes... It is incredibly normal. It's just uh, presented in a way that's uh, deceptive, in a way of like making your brain go down a different route than what's actually going on. It's all yeah. about assumptions. It's mm. really interesting. So I just want to go back to school, uh, school a little bit. I, uh, it's not a brag, but I got a detention, a detention once because after a science lesson, I took some of the magnesium that we had been allowed. And took I saw, it as in swallowed it? Well, I took it uh, as in to grab. Okay. And uh, they, because uh, they'd shown us that it reacts with water. So I grabbed the pot and off I went and I lined the boys' urinals with it. So I thought, <laughs> when they wee, it'll foam and they'll go, what's wrong with me? And it will be hilarious. For some bizarre reason, the first person in was the science teacher and he was, have, he was going to the toilet and we were all like around the corner laughing and then going, oh no. And then he kind of didn't go to the toilet in the end, just looked at the bottom of the urinal, saw it and there was a special assembly for everybody. <laughs> and whoever it was who took the stuff from science had to raise their hand and that was me. And uh, so, not good. The reason I'm telling that story is because have you had any times when it's gone wrong? So you're displaying to the kids, but there's far too much foam. Or something's gone wrong, or a screen's cracked, or a kid's done something they weren't supposed to do, or is it all pretty safe? Surely you must have a story where it didn't quite go as you planned. I've got loads of stories where things <laughs> haven't gone right. Yeah. Nothing that's been on a level where I sort of worried that something was going to be <laughs> okay. hurt or damaged. Uh, partly I'm, I'm a physicist, so I shy away a little bit from the chemical side of things. Gotcha. Uh, it's just a pain to travel in. And actually to do chemistry demonstrations well, you need a fume cupboard and, and all the rest. Right. So I tend to stick with things that are less less explosive. You haven't done the big the big bowling ball? I used to at Think Tank, and that, that was yeah. great. Uh, there's been occasions where we usually used to do it with a teacher. If you've not seen it, it's, it's, a, a bowl, it's like a giant pendulum yeah. with a bowling ball on the end. And the idea is if you set it going, it's not going to get any higher than how it starts. So if you stand next to it with a bowling ball against your nose, 
just a few centimeters in front and you let it swing away from you, it's going to swing back and miss your nose by those few centimeters. You have to trust the science. You have to trust the science with that. <laughs> yeah. The problem is if a teacher or whoever's doing it gets worried and steps forward because if they do then the science is going to break their nose so yeah there's been like one or two occasions you have to stand next to them and if they move you have to sort of put your hand in the way and yeah. just uh, well, i love what you just said the science the science has broken their nose the bowling ball's going it wasn't me yeah it wasn't me said the bowling ball it was the science yeah so in terms of things going wrong i've tripped over i've spilt things i've dropped things uh, yeah, yeah but uh no no spectacular stories from me. I can tell a few about other people, but uh, probably best not to. <laughs> we'll I'm... let them tell their own yeah. stories. We'll track them down and put them on the podcast as well. Um, we have noticed that you take quite a light-hearted approach a lot of the time. Do you wanna, would you be able to talk us through a bit of your logic while you do that? Is it just your personality or is there an ethos going on? It's a bit of both. I think I mentioned the word play earlier. I think play's so important. Mm. I think we, we lose it as adults, don't we? And I think even in the science lab, the best scientists are those who play. And uh, for play to be effective, it has to be in an environment that's safe, where you know there's not going to be any consequences, uh, bad consequences for it. You, you, and you've got the freedom to explore. And I think the best science research labs are ones that have play at the heart of it as well. Uh, so I try and convey that in my work, that sort of real playfulness. I... I have a, f a couple phrases I use a lot. One is just really simply, what if? And okay. I use that a lot. Of, mm. You show something and go, well, what if I do things differently? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a great imaginative, playful question. And then you, you build things and make things more, more elaborate that way. Nice. Uh, and the other one is just, and what else? Uh, my friend Michael Harvey sort of uses it as well, and he, he, he talks about, and what else is the or question? So A-W-E. If you constantly look at something and go, and what else? You're going to spot something new in the situation. Oh, and so, so there's a real lighthearted playfulness of looking at things, combining things. I want people who watch my work to think, I could do that. Sure. And so I try and make it very... I use everyday objects because I want people to think, yeah, it's accessible to me. Mm. The, when you see big science shows with liquid nitrogen and big hydrogen bomb explosion, not hydrogen bomb, but hydrogen <laughs> balloons. Yeah. yeah, you don't want a hydrogen bomb going off, do you? But yeah. hydrogen balloon, those big bangs on stage, they're fun for a moment, but what have you really learnt with that? Mm. How are the kids going to take that away and use and discover it themselves mm. so i use coke cans and, and cardboard boxes and sticky back plastic and all mm. the rest blue peter magic oh exactly <laughs> and, and I, I deliberately show the fact it's been home crafted as well fantastic yeah i think um there's a there's a, a parallel really with humor um <clears throat> and i think um i was i was doing some teaching this morning and the idea that um if we take humor out we we can lose humanity because we are really very funny um and both science and even pastoring and, and faith can be approached in a very serious manner you know there's a lot of um these are sacred things these are important things and um, we can almost write the humor out i listened to something a while ago from some uh shakespeare professors professor on shakespeare and they were saying humor is often written out of shakespeare or read out of it um but actually it's, it's blatantly there and we need to acknowledge it, and it doesn't dumb it down, it just, in fact, it enriches it. And I think that's the same with the texts, you know, and I think Jesus, Jesus knew what he was doing 
who's using humour, um, because humour makes stuff very accessible. Uh, it opens people's hearts and minds and attitudes. It wins them. And I, I wonder if there's a similar thing with your journey in science of using humour um, and keeping things lighthearted because it makes things accessible for people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you what it's, it's meeting people where they're at and, and good, opening, yeah. uh, opening doors. And when you have a laugh, uh, you you always have a laugh when you're in an environment which feels safe. Mm, uh, when you're in a, a place where you, you're searching for what's the one correct answer, mm. then you hold back, don't you? Yeah. And wow. we sort of see that in business. It's like you you don't want to be the one person to make the mistake because that's going to affect your colleagues. It's going to affect just the bonus at the end of the year. But yeah. you see it in, in, in faiths as well. Like, yeah, what's do, yeah. what's the correct theology? Yeah, what, right. uh, not really what would Jesus say, but what would my pastor say? Mm. And, uh, and when you do that, when you're constantly checking yourself and checking those around you, I think you, uh, you miss out and you stop, stop questioning, stop discovering new things. Mm. And, and having an environment that's playful, that's full of laughs as well, it, it's becomes always safe isn't it and yeah. and you can joke about even the most serious of subjects it doesn't it doesn't devalue what you're talking about it just yeah. it just means you're more open to uh, new things Re- uh, recently there was a movement probably over the last 10 years especially in creative circles and it's um giving people confidence to fail or, or to fail forward mm-hmm. or and um i think that's really what you're what you're talking about touching on i think it's happened across a few disciplines yeah the idea i mean some disciplines you can't <laughs> You know, firemen. Oh, we didn't put that one out. Never mind. But uh, but in a lot of disciplines, it's been a lot of intense. Only one answer. So I'm really I'm I'm really excited to hear what you're saying about scientific community and about learning. That actually we need to try and get rid of this one answer. And if we don't get that, it's wrong. It's all over. Yeah. Kind of thing. You know. We, let's try everything. See what sticks. And um, let's not be scared of of failing. Yeah. So I I love that. I I, I talk about it's same idea. Fail fast. Fail the fast, same as yeah. uh, fail forward as well. Uh, that you just if you've got something and you've got a hunch that it might work, you just give it a go. Give it a go. I yeah. think probably the the absolute best piece of advice I've been given in life was it's uh, easier to steer a moving ship. Great, love that. Yeah. And because a ship's got a tiny rudder which is useless unless that ship is moving. Mm. And as soon as you start moving, you, you soon realise you're going the wrong way and you can then that tiny rudder can steer you. And, mm. and that piece of advice can uh, almost like catapulted me from academia into doing the performing mm. arts, which has led me to where I'm now as well. And so, again, in my work, I convey the idea of, of failing fast. And, and in general, if you're in that environment where it's expected people aren't going to yeah. get 100%, yeah. uh, then that's great. I think great. I think one of the worst things you can do is you can vilify failure, can't you? When yeah. when failure becomes personal yeah. and when you ask the question, who's responsible for this, who did that, Ooh. then you, you can sort of, in a, any meeting, any, <laughs> even friendship or family, you can feel like the oxygen's been sucked out of the room, can't you? Mm. And no one wants to admit it's them who put the magnesium in the urinals or or whatever. <laughs> well, that's a good idea. I might yeah. try that. <laughs> but it also means next time you're not going to try something new, are you? Because you don't be that person signalled out in mm. in a room. Mm. So, I guess with you're you're the curator of wonder. If you're looking for wonder in your work, actually, 
there is no such thing as failure because it still can be interesting. You can still do stupid <laughs> mistakes. Like, I think back to... Like, broke my arm because I was wrestling my cousin in the dark. Oh. I got a rubber stuck in my ear, sticking a pencil in it. I, I got a giveaway sign in my eye because I climbed it and the rust fell in it. And those oh are stupid goodness. mistakes. And yeah, maybe not to be encouraged, but... Uh, do not try this at yeah, home. do not. Yeah. I was taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> so what is wonder? Because this is one of your interests, right? Yeah. We've talked about like the or AWE question or that. What, what is wonder? What are we looking for here? Mm. Yeah, so mm. I, I, I was fascinated a few years back because I kept on talking to people about wonder and everyone had a, had a different answer to right. what wonder was. And, and then you start like researching in a bit of literature for like psychological literature and emotions. What, and wonder is one of those emotions that's often left out. Mm. It, or it sometimes mm. clumps in, you sort of talk about awe and wonder. Mm. And I think wonder's quite distinct. And so for me, I think there's three, three flavours or three ingredients for wonder. The first one is awe. Uh, and when I talk mm. about awe, I mean experiencing something vast and complex. Mm. Or, and just trying to get your head accommodate that so yeah, yeah. so whether that's looking up at the sky looking at the moon and the planets or looking at a sunset or mm. looking through a microscope that's those are moments of awe where you see something bigger than you and then you have to fit that into your tiny head so i think yeah. there's i think there's an awe element to wonder mm. there's a curious element as well so yeah, I like that. and when you're curious it's always because there's a bit of a gap in information and you're you're trying to fill mm, okay. fill that gap. It's it's almost like a hunger. You, you're wanting you, you're wanting to you're driven to find the answers. Mm. And I think uh, I think wonder has a curious element. But the word that I've used an awful lot already today is play. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you add awe and curiosity and play together, I think right in the heart of that little Venn diagram, you've got mm. wonder. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. I've never thought about a specific definition for it before. No, I hadn't. And the play thing, I was, I just got the impression, you know, when a child just kind of pokes at something they've not yet explored what it is. And, I, you know, do we grow out of that? We should do that more. We should just play and push and yeah. pull some Which is where your, your, your full forwards comes yeah. in, isn't it? Because yeah. if you keep that in, in your mind, then you're going to play, aren't you? Mm. Like a child looking at the beard for the first time. You pick them up and they're like, or they grab your glasses... <laughs> Like that, and they're just like, that's new, what's that? Let's play with them. Yeah, that's lovely. Or hair, if you're me. Hair, really. It's always hair. Always yeah, hair. Always the hair. Mm. Uh, well, my experiences of wonder, <laughs> actually, no, they're just amazing, really. Um, they're probably more in the kind of divine realm. I mean, and just attributing the creator, himself, you know, believing in the creator and God the creator, and, you know, look at the mountains, and I just adore that. You know, even the stones will cry out the wonder and the majesty of God. And I think they will, surely they will, if I stop to look at them and they will tell of the creator and the beauty and, the, you know, the skies are but a painting of his. And I just think that kind of stuff makes me go really into the realm of, of creator. So for me, I've always had a really comfortable relationship with anything unexplained and massive and remains curious to me because I, I, I know the father, I know the creator, and I'm excited to see how and why and what else um, is still out there. You do, you find some... it, do you find it like a thin place for you? 
Go on. When I mean by thin place, it's, uh, it's a term often used in spirituality of where earth meets heaven. God, and so yeah, when, you, really when you're good. exposed to yeah. elements of awe, I think yeah. it can be can be a thin place for many people. I think that's, that's a really good question. And I think a lot of people's journeys and spirituality is, is grown through awe and wonder, especially perhaps in the created world. So on top of mountaintops, looking at sunsets, mm-hmm. experiencing the Grand Canyon, why am I crying right now at this thing? And um, yeah, I think there's a thinness between the portals, if you like, mm-hmm. of earth and heaven in those moments for yeah. sure. So for me personally... Absolutely. When I used to snowboard, when I was young, agile, and cool. Um, before I started, last week then, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just last week actually. Yeah. Last Tuesday, it was a, it was a terrible fall from grace. Um, but um, I would sit, and before I, uh, I'd take the cable car up, you know, to the highest point that you possibly could on the on a particular run, and I would just sit at the top, and I'd always have 15, 20 minutes, half an hour of prayer first, which would annoy some of the people you're with. They're trying to get their first run in, and I'd say, "You go ahead. I'm I'm just here because." I never forget, I was, it was Switzerland or something, I was going up a cable car, highest one in Europe, ooh, and um, I just remember seeing people ski down a mountain. I thought, God, you made this knowing that we would play on it. That's crazy. And so, yeah, I really love what you're saying about that's a real thin, thin place, if that's what you meant, and if I've understood Yeah, no, that absolutely. And yeah, I think... Yeah. I think also for for some scientists, like obviously you can get those thin places in uh, in nature. I think right. we're, we're we're drawn to it, but I think yeah. we have these wonderful tools at our disposal of uh, yeah. telescopes and microscopes, yeah. where we can uh, look uh, look to the farthest reaches of the universe, or we can look at stuff that's too tiny for our yeah. eyes, or or see colours that are beyond our eyes to see and i think that for many scientists they have those little minor moments of awe where Mm. they're exposed to something and and i think for many it's uh it's one of the joys yeah many scientists have found god in science haven't they so they weren't uh, didn't have a faith but the awe of continual exploration and and they they begin to see a creator or they see a pattern they see a design and they have moments so um yeah. I think it does throw up some big questions for, for many people yeah. when yeah. they're exposed to something like that of yeah, going, actually, of this is amazing. Mm. Is it a coincidence or is there something something else there yeah. as well? Wow. Amazing. Can you then talk to us about some particular spaces where you found wonder, um, specifically within kind of physics or within magic and the things that you do i look at the moon and it is just this uh, object of wonder we've got this glowing orb in the in the sky and it it, it makes you wonder on so many levels you uh, you think about the the complexity and the vastness of the universe we're yeah. one of billions of stars within our own galaxy and billions of galaxies in what we think is the universe it's, that's huge crazy um and also at the same time you just reflect back on your own life uh, and also on humanity, how over the years we've dreamed of going to the moon and we've eventually sent 12 people up there. Mm. And, and there's so many stories connected with that. I, I, I had a chat with Roger Breverton, who's like a, a psychologist who looks about well-being, and he, he talked about the, the contradiction of wonder being that we're uh, cosmically humbled but personally elevated at the same time. Oh, wow. And mm. I think for me, looking at the moon, 
is just one of those one of those times where it just it's a thin place it's a moment of wonder and awe okay so if i were to give you four options of different kind of parts of your life so physics magic working with children and then day-to-day home could you rank them in in or in order of wonder of wonderfulness <laughs> it's gonna get in trouble oh, here isn't it? Yeah, real, real trouble <laughs> it's gonna get in trouble here my family first okay we're just well like done, well that, yeah excellent um, <laughs> got two uh uh two kids and we we also foster a third as well and so seeing them develop and seeing the world through those eyes there's mm. so much so much wonder there and yeah. the conversations and and what they spot and what they ask you as well uh, is just great that's so a, that, that's a very wholesome answer my yeah. wonder about kids is when they're going to bed so i yeah. could have my evening back so i yeah. think your answer is much nicer yeah well i think there's, there's that moment as well i think that's <laughs> i think i uh, I love getting out into nature mm. and just being able to go out running during the lockdown was just a real, real sort of boost and uh, uh, run along the towpaths of Birmingham yeah. and just get out and see, see a bit of sunshine. This is a becoming a theme now, but did you have to wrestle any geese on the towpaths when you were running in lockdown? I oh. ran past, I think because I run so fast... Ooh, uh, no, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I think the geese saw me coming a long way off and had time to time to move. Uh, uh, my, the ones here, they don't move. They come and stand in the middle of the towpath. They've got your. They've got. They're, yeah. they're basically they're bullying Louise. Yeah. Yeah. There's one or two swans who are a little bit more likely to hold mm. their ground a bit. <laughs> but I, I saw last year there was a baby woodpecker just fledged, and was oh, on the amazing. on the cycle path, oh. and I, that was just a moment of sheer like joy and amazement oh, of uh, yeah. seeing this tiny creature just flapping around and stuff and that was just lovely so i, I think that those for me are the mural wonders oh, that's uh, nice. physics wise things like quantum mechanics absolutely blows my mind the the idea of how the world isn't necessarily predetermined that mm. there's a, a probabilistic element to it and things can seemingly defy laws of nature and teleport or be in two places at once. I think that's that's what drew me into physics in the first mm. place. That is nuts, isn't it? How can something be in two places at once? Mm. And then sort of magic-wise, I think the real wonder is when you see it in, in your audience's faces when you sort of see those moments so quite quite human human element to the wonder there isn't there i think there is i think uh i think you you can look at a a bridge or something Mm. or a a painting or something and yeah it's it's good but i think when there's something that's alive that you uh, experience i think that's elevates Oh, they're really good. It's a real coincidence. I was going to say the stuff about quantum mechanics as well. So, uh, in that coincidence, yeah. yeah. So you've said it now. So I, well, I won't bother unpacking that really anymore. So thanks for bringing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so have we? Um, have we all just to finish really nicely? Oh, go on. In a in a bit of a twee fashion, but it's lovely. Um, can we all maybe share? Just something that's happened this week that has caused us to have a moment of wonder. <laughs> well, I think I might ruin this, really. Oh, go on. <laughs> well, things I was wondering about, even this week, a short list of things that happened. Number one, why are oval pictures now no, no longer in fashion? Oh, that's a good question. When was the last time you commissioned and or saw an oval picture? Mm. So I've been wondering about that. 
I've been wondering why God gets blamed for tragedies, but the universe is thanked when they receive an Oscar. We'd like to thank the universe for my Oscar, but where was God? And, uh, and the other one was, and this is the big one, peeps, is that um, the other day there was a man sat on a bench. It didn't look like he was doing much particularly. Um, and there was a bag of crisps, just a, a grab bag, so sizeable, just leant against his ankles, not opened. Mm. And all week I cannot shake what on earth that was about. <laughs> and I wish I could go back in time and say, my friend, sir, what is happening here? But anyway, so that genuinely is that's been what I've been wondering about. So it's not tweet, it's not wholesome, it's just the ramblings and thoughts of a madman, really. Poor, uh, poor man just like sitting there with his crisps, listening to this podcast now, going, yeah. I was just storing them no, for I, later. I, I hear what you're saying, but if he is, email in, what on earth was going on? <laughs> Matt, what's happened to you this week? Oh, I'm going to have something incredibly down to earth. I. <laughs> Our toilet seat at home was loose and it's been doing the family's head in and I sort of couldn't work out how to get it off and then realised there's a little couple of clips at the back and you, you yeah. squeeze them together and the whole toilet seat slides off. And that's just absolutely revolutionary. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, it makes cleaning so much easier. And also like, we can interchange, we could swap different toilet seats over and I just marvel at the ingenuity of the engineering. So... Yeah, it's not uh, fledgling uh, woodpeckers. It's, uh, no. it's uh, a <laughs> true joy in a toilet seat. Well, we've had both now. We've yeah. we've had the full spectrum. Oh yeah, every day's a school day, isn't it? As well. Mm-hmm. Have you? Uh, do you have a different toilet seat for each day of the week now? Now you know. No, we've only just discovered it. So, <laughs> oh, okay. I yeah. imagine the kids. Those are ones that you can get that are clear, but they've got fish and underground. I like the idea of that. They're good. Mm-hmm. That's next for you. Let's not show the kids though, because they will insist. Yeah. Well, I, mine's fairly silly as well, to be honest. So this is going well. <laughs> I um, I was out eating soup yesterday and I was in sheer wonder at myself when I discovered that I had it on my jumper, on my jacket and in my hair. And I was wearing these trousers. My trousers stay clean. This lunchtime I spilt soup on my trousers as well. I was, I'm just, I just had Full like set. a soup force field. Full set. Full set. You Absolutely. Got... Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, true, truly amazing levels of uh, clumsiness from me there. <laughs> um, Matt, you have a website, don't you? If people are looking for examples of Ooh. wonder, where they, where they can go, yeah. And so explore. I think what I'd like to point uh, listeners to is I've got one website which is I've gone done loads of interviews, like mainly text based interviews yeah. with fascinating people. Uh, whether that's people who are scientists who are artists, magicians. We've got people like bishops and astronauts and con artists uh, all on there. And I've just really asked them, tell us about the work and tell us about what makes you wonder and curious. So uh, there's some brilliant stories there. And so if you're curious about that, then that's just wordsonwonder.com. Words and wonder. Words on wonder. Words on wonder. And I sort of discovered sort of serendipitously later that it's just wow.com. So, yeah, oh, it wasn't planned. Beautiful. I should, yeah. How beautiful. So there there's that side of things. Link in the description. Link uh, in the description. It will be in the and notes, yeah. if you're really interested in some optical illusions featuring Lego toilet rolls yes. and other yes. silly yes. objects. Yes. Toilet rolls that are not science, as we've established. Then yeah, the no, best no, no, thing no. to do is just find me on social media and it's just science magician so at science magician that's on tiktok instagram twitter lots of very quick uh, videos just using everyday objects behaving strangely 
And especially Lego, as we found out. Yeah, and elephants. Elephants, many elephants. Many elephants. So much fun. Wonderful. So much fun. Right. Well, thank you both for joining me. I think we've taken quite a lot of time and given Chris a bit of a challenge for the edit. So uh, <laughs> amazing. We just had lots to say. Thanks for joining us. Do have a look at Matt's website, wordsonwonder.com, and find him on social media at Science Magician. While you're there, look us up too, at Now There's a Thought, which looks exactly like Now Teresa Thought, but that's just a happy coincidence. However, if your name is Teresa and you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast and help us live up to our Instagram handle, please get in touch. You can message us on Instagram at Now There's a Thought or email nowthereisathought at gmail.com. And those contact details are also good if your name isn't Teresa. We'd love to hear from you too. Finally, do subscribe to this podcast channel for future trips to the Thought Bar and rate and review this podcast. It really helps us. Tell your friends if you enjoy the podcast, but not if you don't. That's no help. See you next time for a Commonwealth Games special. 